Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the phenomenal Bo Lake. And our guest today is Jesse Lawrence. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. Okay. So for those who have been paying attention to the podcast, this is the first official episode we are recording in the new format. Yay. So, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be different. The inaugural. I don't think I said that right. It's fine. Let's move on to what we're drinking because it's going to be better at that. So I made in an exercise cup, which should have probably not been used. Um, This is iced coffee with um, cinnamon, honey, and Bailey's in it. Oh, It's kind of fancy. It's sort of like a chai tea without the chai tea and with coffee. Like, anyway. That's what's happening there. Very fancy. Bo? That does sound really fancy. I kind of wish I had that. I just have water today. In a Bucky's Yeah, in a Bucky's cup. I love Bucky's. I'm trying to be healthy, so water. Water. Yeah. Okay, Jesse, what about you? What are you drinking with us today? I'm a little bit more simple. I'm going with uh, a Laws Rye Whiskey. Uh, it's a Colorado uh whiskey that I really like. It has a nice spice to it um, that comes from a poblano chili pepper farm right next to the rye farm. Oh, wow. Is it, is it a little spicy? It has a little bit of spice to it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's freaking awesome. I'm kind of jealous about that because I love, I actually, one of my favorite whiskeys is a, a smoky Tennessee mango habanero whiskey. That nice. I can drink on the rocks. And I did with Jonathan Mayberry, but drink these the whole all coffee. sound like they would make my tummy hurt. Like <laughs> they probably would make your tummy hurt, Bo, but they are delicious. Okay. Jesse, for the fans out there at large, what do you write? Uh so I write uh sci-fi slash speculative fiction. So a combination of one and then the other, depending on what I'm interested in that uh, day slash week slash year. I see. I see. And so when did you start writing? I started writing about four years ago. I only published my first one last year. Um, I started writing uh, when I started descending into chronic illness um, as a coping mechanism. That, okay. Well, that. That's not one I've really heard before. So did you write when you were younger? Was that a thing? Um, I did a little bit. Um, I wasn't the particularly the best dyslexic and having various challenges there. Um, I was very creative and created a lot of Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. So that was my outlet. That counts. I'll tell you. I do know some DMs, myself included, who have taken some of the stuff from stories they've written or characters that played and and written books based on it because it really is high fantasy or steampunk, depending on, or horror, depending on which that you play. But a lot of times, especially as a dungeon master, who's the person who runs the game, for everybody listening that's like, what the fuck is she talking about? Um, is uh, But you create such a huge world and a huge story. Like you do instant world building with that. Exactly. But then you went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write sci-fi. <laughs> so what made you do that jump? 
Um, so as I uh, as I aged, I got more into science and also science fiction. Um, so it's really a, a combination of what I'm interested in uh, and what I read uh, and sort of, yeah, the news that I wa watch and read, it, it all influences my writing. That makes sense. Um, so your first book took you four years to write? Uh, yeah, it took me about four years. I understood a little bit about storytelling, but I didn't understand enough about storytelling, character development, and um, accessibility for others to read. Um, so I told what I thought was a great story and a few people read it and they found it very inaccessible. Oh, so okay. it was too cerebral, too science forward, too heavy. The dialogue wasn't good enough. Um, just the character arcs were good, but too many facets to keep track of. Does that got it? Got it. Sense? Yeah. So you went too complex, basically. Way too complex. Way above. And what's interesting is there is this niche group of sci-fi readers who would have been like, this is the best thing to have. Yes. Who would love and then everyone else is like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost I lost the, the initial beta readers completely. I you know what? At least you did that and you didn't publish it to get reviews that said that. So bravo, my friend, bravo. <laughs> you could have gone the other way. Okay, so now tell us what happens after that. So now you're like, how was that though? Because I know when we all get author feedback, sometimes it, you know, some of us, you know, of course, want to throw a chair at the beta readers or the editors or whatever to, you know, smite them mightily with our minds. But what was that like for you getting that kind of feedback when I'm sure you put a lot of effort into the research and the science and all that, like you put time, you didn't just make that sh shit up. You were like, I put time and energy into this. And they're all like, we don't get it. So what was that like? So um, I'm actually used to very harsh feedback. Growing up, my dad wrote uh, journal articles and whatnot, and he edited all of my stuff with red pen and would decimate it. So oh, I, wow. at an early age, I was used to that uh, kind of very critical feedback. And then I was an academic for about 15 years, um, oh. and that that also taught me that if other people don't understand it, then I haven't written it well. If other people don't connect with it in terms of this is something that strikes them as real, then I haven't done my job. Well, I think that is a great background to have that. Okay, so you get this feedback. They're like, it's too complex. Next steps, what do we do? So I regroup and I try to write it completely over and I fail. Um, I completely fail the, from the beginning. It just isn't right. Um, 
I wrote the initial that that initial book as a um, as a, a way to cope with my illness mm-hmm. and descending into that, and it lost that component. Um, it okay. lost sort of the the impetus behind it and the feeling behind it. So then I started over, but started from about a third waypoint from the original and completely redid the latter two thirds to have a more action um, plot line, a easier way of following the main character through that plot line and a better way of connecting that character with the other characters in the story. Very cool. Okay, so then you published last year. When did it go out officially? So it was actually my second book to publish. Um, I feel like we're not following this story. Are you feeling Scooby-Doo a little bit, Bo? A little bit, a little bit. I feel like we're doing this. We're figurating. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you're, that's you're my process. On a journey. Yes. My my journey is crazy. I love this. My I just feel like I think I know where I'm going, and then I'm like, I don't... "Am I? Are we in a forest now? How did we get yeah. to a forest? Where did this yeah. go?" My my mind is a little bit out there, so I apologize for that. <laughs> don't apologize. Keep going. I'm just going to hold on for the ride. Okay. Yeah. So this this one came out in September, um, okay. and it is much better received by a few people than I would have expected um, because it is still really deep. It still has some really big issues that it um, tackles. It's basically the a person treating themselves like the um, ship of Theseus where they lose pieces of themselves as the journey continues into space. Okay. And then um, so what is the first book then? So then about three years into it, my son asked me to write him a book. And that one ended up being much faster and easier to write. Okay. And that one came out in May of last year. And what is that one about? It's a YA book about uh, a kid with superpowers. Oh, I love that. So your son, so your son was like, "Hey, Dad, I need you to write me a book." How does that go? Um, he he's into storytelling. He's into being a dungeon master. He's into all of that as well. And he wanted to write a book for himself, and I was trying to help him do that. And then he got sidetracked and whatnot. And then he was like, well, why don't you write me a book instead? Um, so it it just worked out well and I had fun writing it. Um, and it was a very different style, uh, more fun, upbeat, um, you know, silly things happening. Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a young YA. It's not a traditional YA with love interests and whatnot. Um, it's very boy centric, um, which awesome though, you know, it, it was for him. So it should be boy centric because he's a 
very much a boy. <laughs> okay. I like that because I think a lot of books are written sort of usually from the, the female, even if it's a main character, but a female kind of perspective mm -hmm. on it. Um, so that's cool. So is that a series or a standalone? So it is a series. I've written the second book. Um, I'm editing it as well, not as we speak, because I'm not on the computer, but uh, just before this, uh, before this. Okay, very cool. So are you writing series now, then? Is that what these are? These are series. Um, I didn't mean them to be series initially, okay. but there is more to write on both of them. Um, okay. The story from my son's point of view, it has to continue. So I was like, okay, that's a good indicator that I should continue it. Um, the other story, um, ended in a bit of a heartbreak, um, oh. and people wanted the next one to kind of take them out of that heartbreak. Makes sense, right? So, um, I'm, I'm, my view, ever after. Yeah, yeah, my, my view is if people want more, then that's a good indicator that I should continue. Agreed. Um, if people were like, no, that sucked. Uh, I don't want any more. <laughs> then it's like, uh, I could write it for me, but, you know, I can write other things for me too. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. So you did this to cope with an illness, right? Mm -hmm. um, why are you doing it now? Um, I am still ill. Okay. Um, if you had seen me yesterday, this would have gone very differently. Um, yesterday, I was in a lot of pain. My brain was not functioning very well. Okay. Um, I was a little twitchy in terms of my muscles. Um, so it, would have, it wouldn't have made for a particularly great uh, discussion. I can understand that. I can understand that. So I guess we have good timing. I'm going to yes. consider that some good Today timing. Today is a good day for We're me. good at scheduling. Yes, good at scheduling. Even though we don't know it, we are advanced <laughs> scheduling. So what is your plan then, book-wise? And then I know Bo's going to ask some questions diving into the characters and all this stuff. But just journey-wise, what is your, your plan now for books? Like, do you have like a master plan? You strike me as a master plan kind of person. But I am. I have a three-year plan um, of books that I planned out. Um, I may not necessarily stick to that plan, but there's uh, the sequels to the ones that I've written. Um, I wrote one that came out in uh, March um, that is a standalone. And my goal is to do one book from each of the series um, until I get to three on each of them and one book a year that is a separate standalone. Okay. So that's, Very that's cool. my goal. I don't know if I'll hit that goal. Here's the thing. You got to start with a goal. If you yeah. don't have a goal, then you're just sort of floundering, which yeah. is yeah. fine. If you're not doing this to actually publish books with any sort of urgency, if you're like, oh, I don't care, I'll finish it in the next 10 years, then, you know, knock yourself out if that's your journey for you. Right. <laughs> Then you're like, I can write five words uh, once a week and I'm good. 
Yeah. So, and, and if my health somehow improves, I will probably take on more of a job, normal day job, in which case I will have less time for writing. Um, but, and that will change everything, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. So, well, uh, so I'm going to be writing. Well, I think that's awesome because you're sharing your stories, which is very cool, even though you're going through that hardship, which is amazing. Amazing, amazing. Okay, Bo, you see, look, look, I've adjusted to our new format. Go team. So, so you said you wrote the uh, superhero book for your son. What does he think about it being published? He loves it. Um, I got it into the lo- local Boulder bookstore um, and he got to see it in a bookstore and he's ecstatic about that. Um, you know, he, he actually asks about the sales and every time there's, uh, you know, a spike in sales, he's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's, he's sort of my number one fan and encourager. Um, you know, so that's, it's fantastic. That is Did awesome. it start with an idea he had? Like, and has he helped you with world building and stuff? Um, he's helped me a bit with world building. He saw the first version, gave feedback. You know, the second version uh, changed a little bit from there. He has only seen my YA book because my other mm-hmm. book has some darker themes that I didn't want to share with him. Um, yeah but it definitely took into account his feedback and what he likes. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. <laughs> it's so cute. It is so cute. I love that. Um, Go ahead, Bo. I'm not going to jump in. I'm just saying it was cute. That's all I was saying. That's how you usually jump in and you sneak in I there. So I'm, I'm just waiting. To, I'm trying to control myself. It's okay. Go do it before I change my mind. Is there a genre you'd like to write but are afraid to write? Um, not so much genre as um, kind of scenes that I'm mm. that I don't do well with. I don't do very well with romance and sensual scenes. It's mm. just not. I've tried and I fail each time. So I kind of skip over those in um, in my books because um, it's it's somehow just not in me. Yeah. Well, that's fine because you can just do fade the black. The door closes and we don't see anything until yeah. the next yeah. morning. So I would never be able to write a romance. <laughs> so I have a question when it comes to that. So I just, sorry, I am jumping in. I am. I can't control myself. Bo already <laughs> knew that. It was already yeah. clandestine. I, oh, have, I knew it was going to happen. Have you thought, not that you have to, you obviously do not have to include those kind of scenes in your book, but have you thought about doing any sort of writing courses specifically around that? Because I found some of the writing, uh, you know, as author, some of us, have our own whatever and a lot of people do a lot of classes to do writing but I found for me I love sometimes listening to how people do certain things that Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm the best at always right so and it's not like you want to write a romance you don't have to go how to write a romance course right because there's little things out there to go how do you 
include romance in your thing without mm-hmm. being weird or how do you include those intimate scenes without being i i would like more people to do these classes but we've read these books where <laughs> yeah people just make it awkward and you're like oh my mm-hmm. god what is happening this is so awkward mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be awkward they're just you know, describe breasts as pomegranates, which, by the way, <laughs> record is not a sex. Or they're fruit. bouncing too much. They're bouncing. There's a lot yeah, of there's a lot of bouncing sometimes, and you're like, <laughs> these are not balloons. So, uh, <laughs> but have you thought about doing any sort of things with that? Or are you like, I'm content not including that in my books? It's it's a low priority class. I do take classes um, online. I, I don't take classes in person because of physical limitations. Um, I agree. I, I take I take classes online, and it's a low priority in my mind, but it's it, it's on there. It's mm-hmm. it's one that I'm kind of I kind of cringe at, uh, and I pr- I should probably just face it head on. But it's one of those ones that like uh. <laughs> I would say I would do facing it head on, and I'll tell you, there's a couple of books if you ping me after the podcast that are great for the words and phrases that you should use. And they're brilliantly written. You can order them off of Amazon so nobody has to see what's happening. And then you'll be good. And I'm not saying to write an in-depth sex scene erotica, but they have really good words. So you you go, okay, this is the word I want to use to describe this moment. And a lot of times I even, as I write erotica and Bo writes steamy stuff, and I, I'll I, Bo jump in if I'm wrong. But we use these books because sometimes you can't say. Yeah, I have one same, on my shelf. Yeah, the same words over again because you it just sounds the word yeah. caress can only be used so many times before it gets, <laughs> gets cringy. Yeah. It gets. I'll cringy, ping you for that. You know? I'll definitely ping you for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Okay, Bo. Sorry, um, I didn't. I didn't jump. Well, in. now that we've talked about writing classes, what has been your favorite writing class and the most surprising thing you learned about it uh favorite writing class um that's that's a hard one um I so Margaret Atwood had some really great um lectures on what is it um master master classes um, and those kind of opened my eyes to partially her way of thinking and her way of thinking about research into stories and that you have to get the things right or your readers will poke at them and um and kind of annihilate you (laughs) oh that hashtag true story hashtag true story yes they will Um, so that (laughs) listening to her and sort of her concepts of world building her concepts of character development uh, i think that was perhaps the standout in all of them Very cool. What is your favorite sci-fi trope? My my favorite sci-fi sci-fi witch trope. Trope. Oh, um, I like the broken hero um, mm-hmm. that takes on um, 
takes on things, even though he knows that he can't win. Um, that sort of trope where he then goes and actually wins. Um, I, there's there's a lot of sci-fi out there and speculative fiction out there that deals with um, insecurity, which is something that I actually really love. Very cool. Okay, we are going to take a quick break under our new format. We'll be right back with Drinking with Authors. Hey, listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. Okay, we're back. Uh, apparently, uh, my soldier. We're back with Drinking With Authors. There you go, Bo, just for you. Um, yeah, that was so good. <laughs> Um, so I, I love the, your writing journey. I think it's fantastic. Do you ever think about taking some of these campaigns you did and doing high fantasy type stories or no? Cause um, I'm sure I, you have quite a few. Just I have some high fantasy stories from, from Dungeons and Dragons that would be fun to write. And what I've actually been thinking about is a twist on that, which is to write them in the future, which is then sci-fi fantasy. I see. I see. Ooh. We're we're gonna we're I see that we're putting some roots squarely into sci-fi, though. Yes. You're like, yes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm keep very, touching it. It's not going anywhere. I'm gonna keep my hand on it. But I, I have some stories from fantasy that I think I mean I may dust them off and do them the way that they were done, but it's it's, I I definitely like the sci-fi right now. I mean, sci-fi fantasy is like a thing, like Dragon Riders of Pern, like, mm-hmm. so you can do it. Oh, I absolutely think you can do it. And I think, again, the stories are there. You remember the creation, you built the world, even though every Dungeons and Dragons character on the planet did not go to whatever plan you had. <laughs> no. The other thing you weren't <laughs> expecting them to do because that's what they do no matter if you're like there's a long corridor in front of you somehow they hop the wall get out of the corridor get out and they're like you just had a long corridor you just had to walk down the corridor yep exactly exactly (laughs) but that's kind of what makes it spectacular is that the characters do things that are unexpected very true very true um okay so um, what is your writing setup like? Where do you feel like you do your best work? So I have a small office. I'm in it right now. Um, I have a whiteboard behind me, my computer in front of me, and I close the door and start writing uh, whenever I can. 
Um, and it's usually between about nine o'clock and noon that my brain works. And I, yeah, it's. <laughs> look at all the majesty that's around. Well, you're looking at my writing space. You're looking at Bo's writing space. Yeah. That's, that's, this is the writing space. Usually my, that my... door is open with dogs running around, irritating me in the middle of things, you know. Do you have uh, music you like to listen to? Like, take us into your world. You sit down and then what happens? So I definitely turn on music all the time. Um, sometimes it's industrial, other times it's symphony, other times it's blues. Um, the music definitely does help me get into different headspaces. Um, and I, I really, it helps me also just distract me just enough that I can listen to the kind of the voice in my head. Um, as it does whatever craziness it does. Um, and characters go off on random tangents as they do. Um, let's see, I uh, I have a small stool underneath my desk that I always prop my feet up on um, and a fairly large screen in front of me because my eyes are not all that great. Um, and what about snacks? Do we have snacks and a preferred drinking drink that we like to do? So I, I, I'm an irregular author in that I like Diet Coke over coffee or tea. Um, I'm a, I'm a Diet Coke addict. Um, it, it, the steady stream of Diet Coke keeps me just the right caffeinated uh, to be able to, to, to manage uh, the writing. Um, and uh, let's see. I often bring snacks up here, but they disappear entirely too fast. Um, and it's probably a good thing that I only bring small snacks because otherwise I'd have an even rounder stomach than I'd already do. Oh, I understand. That is, I've discovered recently that I need to bring snacks if I'm a little bit hungry and I'm going to sit down and write. Mm -hmm. I can bring snacks. Otherwise, snacks very much becomes like my cell phone where I'm like, I'm going to eat snacks and not actually be typing words. I'm going to use yeah. it like it's I do the same thing. Yeah, it's a distraction. Like, I, I get if you're trying to power and you're like, I'm going to ready myself, but I actually need to like do a bunch, you know, sprint wise, take a break, go get something to eat if I'm eating it and I bring it back. But I've realized that if I have snacks, I literally will stop and be eating the snack and looking at the screen, pretending like I'm evaluating something, but mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm eating snacks while staring yeah. at my writing. <laughs> I start eating and then I'm like, well, this will only take a minute. I can watch a couple TikToks. And then I, suddenly it's an hour later. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be writing. Yeah. You're like, what? You're like, scroll. You're like, wait, no, I'm writing. And then <laughs> it's crazy. Um, what about your covers and stuff? Who's who's doing your covers? How do you get your covers done? Sci-fi is um, a very specific kind of cover, my friend. So, um, so I've done a bit of the graphic arts for uh, two out of the three of my covers. Or I've okay. done graphic arts on all of them, but um, I started from a... Yeah, I can show you one. This is Metal, uh, the third book that came out. And it's very simple. Uh, you Ooh, know, a rusted like metal piece, 
with, you know, words on it and there's a biohazard component to it. So the biohazard symbol, um, very simple, easy to create. I was able to do this one on my own. Um, that's more speculative fiction. This one I started from, I had somebody else start for me. They did the spaceships um, and I took this and augmented it from a freely available um, uh, uh, piece of art and adjusted all of this and increased the swirl and did all of that digitally. Um, so that was how that one came up. And then I nano the one that I did for my son. I took a piece of graphic art uh, from online, adjusted it, changed the color, changed uh, all sorts of stuff about it, added a bunch of trees at the bottom, added the logo thing at the top. And, uh, you know, that's the gist of how I do it. <laughs> You, those are some pretty books though. And I see those are hardcover. So you went all in on these ones, huh? I like well, them. Um, you know, I, I just uh, ordered them from Amazon. So it's on demand. But still you got hardcovers. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cause you have yeah. to do the hardcover thing. Not everybody does the hardcover thing. Mm -hmm. It takes some work to do the hardcover thing. So, yes. okay. Bo, my friend, continue. I will stop jumping in. I'm lying, but I'm gonna let you ask two questions. Yes, I was gonna say you're going to. Who is an author that you admire? That I admire. Um, mm -hmm. So recently, Craig Allenson uh, has been writing these books called Expeditionary Force, and he's written 15 in the series, and I think seven on a side series. And they are both deep sci-fi as well as comedy. And I like to include some comedy into my novels, and it's really hard to get it right. Um, so I've, you know, I've been reading through and it's a talent and it's a skill and it's uh there's a funny bone in people that really is spectacular and he has that in spades um yeah so craig allenson lately very cool and you're right i mean i think a lot of people underestimate how hard humor can be mm -hmm. i mean Getting humor that lands is, you know, in the right moments in a story because you can you can provide humor in it can be great humor, but in the wrong moments and it just fails. Yes. And the yeah, and it's not like you're doing stand up where you can see your audience and they're reacting, so then you can like tool it based on what they're hearing your readers aren't going to be like that joke didn't land and then you can change it. It's there. Yeah, exactly. So I think the timing of it and the, it's, it's like a precision strikes, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it any other way. No, I think that's a perfect description because it's true. 
and you want you want your off your readers to have that experience right mm-hmm. so um okay um my next question for you is let's talk about characters and getting into the heads of characters mm-hmm. um, do you do a massive world building like do you keep track of everything I keep track of everything in chaotic notes. <laughs> so it's a matter of tracking down all of the things. Okay. Um, you know, I'll have a page for one book and then three pages for the next book because I'm thinking in in chronological order, not necessarily. And I'll have one notebook with me at that time. Um, not all three notebooks that I'm writing things at the same time. So it's, it's chaotic. I like it. Do you, when, so you're, since you're starting the sequels, did you, um, how are you getting back through? Cause you know, we all write the books. We remember a lot of them, but not all of them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so how are you doing that? Like remembering everything. It's it's a um, it's a battle. I am blessed with a short memory, meaning that I forget everything, <laughs> which means that I can kind of go off on random things in new ways, and then edit it as if it's a brand new thing. So I will okay. go write something, and then go back and read something. And then I'll forget various pieces and I'll be able to expand the world in that way. I view it as expanding the world. Yes, you have to be consistent, but if a world stays identical between one book and the next without expanding and reasons for those expansions, then the world doesn't grow like a character would. And my poor memory allows me to go, oh, wait, I can do this. Wait, what was that? And then I go back, look at it and fix that thing. And, but tweak it a little bit because my memory is sufficiently bad that I can just tweak things. And it seems like it works so far. I haven't gotten to the third book in a series, so I don't know if it will continue to work. Well, you know, it's interesting because I know, like, I re-listen to my audiobooks. That's how I do it. And mm-hmm. I'm going into, luckily, book two on one. I'm in the middle of book three on another. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I will say, it, it'll be interesting when I'm on book six of one of them to go, I'm going to go back and listen to six books. I think that's not going to be necessarily the best approach. So I definitely think as you get further on in the series, but what about you've got like seven books in your series, right? How many is it? Seven, six, six. I knew that. I was testing you to see if you knew that I knew that. Um, uh, (laughs) Oh, that's what that was. Listen, I, I can be very sneaky in my approach to some of these situations. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah whatever that tone um my question oh is how did you how did you do that but your your switches characters and time frames right so yeah and it was mostly chronological just you know intermingled 
So I just kind of kept it chronological based on history, like historical events. And then I, uh, since I use a different character for every book, I can kind of like look back at scenes that already happened from a new perspective. So I would reread those scenes that I would like readdress. That makes sense. That makes I didn't sense. have notes. I'm, I didn't have the foresight to take notes on my own work. That's okay. Not all I don't think us. I could ever get to book six. I think three is the max that I'll ever be able to do. No, I mean, I I, I believe in you. I'm just going to say that. It, it could be like me where I was like, it's going to be three. And then suddenly there were six of them. <laughs> like, it just It just happens. We had another author recently that works with us. He wrote a trilogy. He literally called it the trilogy yeah. and then submitted book four and five. And I was like, <laughs> this is not. I, but we called it a trilogy. Yeah. It's, it, I have to say that one is 100% my fault in talking to him and talking to him about what he wanted to do. <laughs> so out came these two books. But it was very funny because somebody was like, this says trilogy on it. And I'm like, it's okay. How many authors do like five part trilogies? It's okay. Let's just keep going. <laughs> um, okay. I'll just call it a compendium. It's fine. Yes. Five thirds. Yes. And if you just have to go, you can't count properly when people ask about it. Okay. So Bo, I'm going to give you the last question before we break into literary briefs. What is the hardest part about being a writer? The hardest part about being a writer for me is connecting with what other people will think when they're reading it in the moment. Um, you know, I, I've been learning empathy throughout my life but it wasn't something that I was gifted with early on. Um, and my wife has been very tolerant of me and helping me on that process uh, throughout being a professor, throughout, um, you know, just life, having kids, all of that. I've been learning empathy and understanding of how other people feel um, and that that is better than it's ever been, but still, I think one of my biggest challenges. Very cool. Okay, and now for the literary briefs portion. <laughs> okay, I don't. Again, no idea. Oh, I do know why I did that. It's because of the baby. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're good. So, first question: What is your favorite book of all time? My favorite book of all time. Oh, that is so hard for me to answer. Um, I'll give you I'll give you an answer from an odd perspective. It is the Dragonlance books by um <laughs> Weiss and uh oh wow um Hickman. yeah and um it was the first novel that I ever read and enjoyed. I'm a late reader and I got into Dungeons and Dragons before I got into reading and oh. that it connected with me on such a deep level that after that, I was a lifelong reader. Um, 
And I've gone back and reread it about six times um, because it instills this feeling in me um, that I think is beyond just the writing of the book, but the time, the, the, the experience of loving a novel. Um, and I even recently listened to the books with my son and that was a new level of just spectacular that that I, I couldn't replace. See, my some of my favorite were the um, Spellfire mm-hmm. books, like Ed Greenwood. He was mm-hmm. one of my favorites, and the I remember Curse those. Of the Azure Blonde, Bonds, Blondes, Curse of the. It's fine. I'm moving on. Okay, um, you know what? Oh, you know what to expect. Stop being surprised. Um, <laughs> she gets embarrassed for me, which is fun. I appreciate that. I that's what you need in a co-host is somebody who goes, wow, she should not drink. Um, uh, what about the uh, least favorite book of all time? Oh, least favorite book of all time. Ouch. Uh, I haven't actually thought about that one before. Um, let me, let me noodle for just a moment. No worries. We can, um, oh, I, I put most of those out of my mind and my forgetfulness helps me with that. Um, oh, this is hard. That's okay. How about from school? How about one that like you were forced to read in school or college that you were like this and here's Grape, the thing. Grapes of Wrath. Okay, the, okay I, there you go. I I really disliked that one. See, um, see, you have one. There you go. There, yeah. Okay, um, Bo, go for it. I'm giving you well, two, now, and I'm going to do the follow up, <laughs> final one. So, well, now I need to know who your favorite dragon. Did we did we lose him? I hope we didn't lose him. Did he hear? Is he there? Are mm-hmm. you there? Yes, well, we might have lost him. Who's well, your favorite Dragonlance character? Okay, there he is. He's back. Who's your favorite Dragonlance character? So my favorite Dragonlance character? Um, initially, it was Tannis, the half-elf. And I think that that's the obvious choice. But uh, later, I came to really love Caramon, the warrior. Um, and it's how much he cares for his brother and the struggle in him with respect to how to be a good human and love somebody who is, well, evil. True. What about you, Bo? Who is your favorite? Well, <laughs> my favorite character was Raceland, uh, yeah. Cameron's brother, and also Mina, who comes mm-hmm. up in the later books. So I always like the bad guy. <laughs> isn't isn't um Drizzt in there? Isn't mm. that Drizzt's world? No, he's Forgotten Realms. He's okay, Forgotten Realms. Yeah, I like the 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 little halfling people. The, yeah, yeah, those are my favorite. The Kenders. Yes, the Kenders. I took Tasselhoff, me. Barefoot. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Tasselhoff. Yeah, Tasselhoff. I was desperately trying to find that in my brain. It wasn't working. I say I have a drunk gnome up there. That he's just sleeping now, right now. He's like, whatever, <laughs> whatever you're doing, he's you like, can find it yourself. For you. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, Bo, your second one. 
What is your favorite book to movie adaptation? Favorite book to movie adaptation. Um, oh, I just recently thought about this and I trying to remember, oh, oh, what was it? I can't remember. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what was it? My brain is freezing. It happens. It happens. What about your least favorite? Can you think of a least favorite? Least favorite. Um, I actually really did not. This is probably an unpopular uh, viewpoint, but I really disliked the Hobbit movies. Oh, it's not an unpopular viewpoint. No. <laughs> they, they were too long, too in depth to too many side stories that weren't pertinent to the to the original and the original particularly the hobbit not necessarily the the fellowship of the rings series the hobbit was aimed at a younger audience and was more attainable for younger people and was more lighthearted and the movies just were not I didn't, it just, it irked me. That makes sense. It does. Um, okay, so my my question for you as we wrap up, if you could travel anywhere and cost and everything like that is not an issue, you can just magically, actually, I'm going to ask two questions. If you could magically appear anywhere in this here planet Earth, where would you want to go and why? Um, so there is an island off of Greece, um, called Milos and it's a gorgeous little island, uh, with Greek tourists, not American tourists, not English tourists, uh, not mainland Europe tourists. And it is so peaceful of a place that you can, you're forced to relax in a way that is hard almost anywhere else. It's not touristy. It's not, it's, it's got beaches that are lovely. It has a history that is amazing. It has farmland. It has, all sorts of just raw beauty to it that isn't the Seychelles or Hawaii type thing, but beauty in and of itself and the culture and everything that I think it's top on my list. I love that. Okay. Now, where would you go if you could visit any literary world? Would you go to Dragonlance? Um. Let's see. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, I love that pause. That pause that's, is fantastic. That's, 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 so do I get to be healthy in that world? <laughs> of course you get to be healthy. This is a. Okay. Yeah. If I get to be healthy in that world, uh, I think it would actually be Forgotten Realms. Oh. 
um, the Sword Coast, um, ah, where Drizzt actually yeah. took up his home. So bringing that back around, um, there's so much magic and uh, cool storytelling and just great world building there that it is it exists in my mind as being extremely vivid i i love that i do because forgotten realms is my jam water beat kelvin blackstaff i've got it all i got it all still up here from my D D days see something i remember bo look at that done and done look how easy that was okay so um just Please give us your shameless self-promotion. Where do people find you on social media and your books? Okay. I am uh, at JFL here on most social platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and whatnot. Uh, And you can find me online at jflhere.com. Tried to make it easy. Uh, (laughs) uh, And, uh, you know, Amazon is my main uh, platform for selling books. Uh, So please go there and buy some of my books. (laughs) No, it sounds amazing. And it sounds you have something from most of the whole family. So very cool. I want to thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate having you on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors with our literary briefs included. Wow, that was a lot for me to say. Do not forget to like, subscribe, comment, review. We absolutely want to hear from you. You're listening to us. Hit the button. We'd appreciate it. My co-host today has been the always amazing and keeping me in line, Bo Lake. And our guest today has been J.L. Lawrence. And we will see you guys next time.